as always. Okay, so today's daf is daf Mem Aleph, page 41 in the Heligah Masech Zadarim, and we're going to pick up from the two dots on Mem Amud Beis, three lines from the top, three lines from the bottom. All right, two dots on Mem Amud Beis. Here we go, says the Gemara. Amar Ravami, Amar Rav. Ravami says in the name of Rav. What's the, what's the pshat of the Pesach? What's the meaning of the Pesach that says, And you, Ben Adam, make for yourself vessels for Galus. This is when Kla Yisrael is being warned that if we don't uh, correct our ways, we're going to end up homeless. All right? And we're going to end up in a state of exile. What is the Navi referring to? Zuner Uka'ara. It's referring to a ner, a candle, ka'ara, a plate, vishatiach, and we'll translate this as a placemat. Something that food would be placed down on. Okay, now this is, this is uh, all of these things are a reference to not ultimately being satisfied with the gashmias, with any physical needs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. Okay, when you eat, if you imagine eating something and not being able to see it. The Gemara elsewhere tells us part of the whole satisfaction of eating is being able to see it. The ka'ara is the plate that holds the food itself, and then uh, the mat that's there as well. Okay, so in other words, we're never going to be comfortable with our gashmias. That's the warning. Then the Pasuk tells us in the Teichacha, what's going to happen is, Bechayser ko. In Golos, you're going to be lacking ko. You're going to be lacking everything. What does that mean, Bechayser Kol? Amravami Amarav, Belay Ner, Ubelay Shulchan. Without a Ner and without a Shulchan. What does this mean? Your basic needs. Your basic needs, the need to be able to, to, to have a candle to see, a dining room table to sit by. You might be able to live and survive, but you're not going to have your, your basic needs. Rav Chista Amar, Rav Chista says, Belay Isha. Bechayser Kol means Belay Isha. Okay? Without a completion that, as we know, a woman. Is called a kala. The word kala means complete. This is why the Torah, the Torah itself is referred to as a kala. That those say that the, the paragraph of Eishas Chayil refers to Torah. Why is Torah called a kala? Why is the Torah called a bride? Because the same way a bride is there, in a sense, to complete the family, to complete the husband. The Torah's the purpose of Torah is to complete the person. So Chayser Kol means in Gullahs, you're not going to have shlemus. You're not going to have completion. Belay isha. Rav Shesha says, Belay shamish. You're not going to have a butler. You're not going to have uh, any help. You're going to be on your own. And ultimately, we know this is, again, this is in a, it's referring to, in a sense, you're not going to have any assistance. You can't go through anything in life properly and soundly without help. Rav Nachman, Amar, Rav Nachman says, Belay Deya. In Gullus, What's going to happen is you're going to be kol. What's kol? You're not going to have daya. You're not going to have. We'll just translate this, uh, you know, uh, broadly as your mind. You're not going to have the expansive mind, the clarity, the seichel that's needed if you're in gullus. You're not going to have that clarity. Tano, we learned in Abraisa, belay melach ubelay revav. You're not going to have melach, and you're not going to have revav. What's revav? Revav either is referring to oil, according to one opinion. Another opinion, it's referring to uh, fats. This means the geschmack in anything. You're not going, that, that we're being warned that if we don't follow in the ways of the Rabbani we're never going to, even in, even in Gashmias, even physically, you're never going to be able to fully enjoy 
from the Gashmias that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, Naktinon, we've been we, we've been taught, it's been learned. Ain't ani elabedeya, a truly poor person. You're never truly poor unless you don't have your mind, you don't have common sense, you don't have seichel. A person who's not able to function with seichel, with mind, with with uh, an element of social and um, and intellectual. Understanding that's truly an ani. That's really what a poor person is. The, the the greatest thing we have is our minds. Is the very first bakasha, the very first request that we have in every shmei nasrei, after our first three blessings of praise, is ata laadam das lena Das is a gift, and it's something that nothing else can be asked for. Our health, our physical health, refuas nefesh, refuas aguf, parnasa. Yerushalayim, what we're asking before we even get into everything. David Avdecha, you need to have das, you need to be able to have an understanding, a seichel. The Marav Amri, the Senator Yisrael, a person who has their mind has everything. And a person who doesn't have das, what do they have? If you have this, machoser. What are you lacking? Nothing. A person who's of sound mind, a person who gets it, who grasps things, who grasps seichel, has real understanding, doesn't lack anything. The laikani, and a person who doesn't have seichel, makani, has nothing. The greatest physical acquisition, the most valuable acquisition that a person can have is das. Is das. Mamish incredible. Okay. Amr of Alexandri, Alexandri says, Amr of Chiyabaraba, in the name of Chiyabaraba, Ein chayla aymid we're back into bigger chayla. A person does not leave their illness. Now, it's important to just mention over here, to take everything the Gemara now is going to say in a broader perspective. For example, I just want to pause here, and then we'll restart the statement. Everything in Tyra is interconnected. Everything's interconnected, which is why Rabbi Victor Miller, as we've said, uh, as we've said previously, Rabbi Victor Miller points out that in the Sfarim of Chumash, it begins with a Vav, right? Bereshis goes to Shmois, Ve'ela Shmois, and then Shmois Vayikra, Bamidbar, sorts of why? Because to let us know, yeah, you're starting a new book, but really to fully grasp this Sefer, you have, it's part of a broader Chumash, it's part of a broader Torah. There are certain statements that come up in Gemara where it's, it's important to know that yes, whatever it's saying is true, but it's also part of a very broad picture that a, that a Gemara will paint for us. And the reason why I'm introducing it is because sometimes you'll find Gemaras that say, if you do this, you don't have any more Averis. A person who gets married on the day of their marriage, all Averis is wiped out. A person who does this mitzvah, it's equal kolat tairakul. A person who does ashray three times a day, Going straight to Elam Haba. You're really so posh. Say Ashri three times a day, then you speak Lashon Hara and kill people and, you know, whatever. Of course it doesn't mean that. Okay? So what does it refer to? A broader context. A person who says Ashrei along with living the words of Ashrei and being a true Abed Hashem throughout the day. Right? There's a greater context. So with that introduction, let's get into what Rav, Alex- Rav, what Rav Alexandri is sharing with us. Amar Rav Alexandri, or teaching us, When a person heals from their sickness, you should know they no longer have any more Averis. Because if they were in a 
delicate predicament, that is a kapara. That's an atonement. Well, what's going to get you out of the atonement when the process is done? The car wash is over. The car wash is over. A person who's sick and then has been healed knows that they have a new lease on life. All their averis have been gone. As it says, Forgives all our averis and heals our, all of our chaylam, right? all of our, our illnesses that exist. Rav Nuna says, When a person is healed from their sickness, they go back to the vibrancy of their younger days. When a person, uh, when a person uh, is healed, from an illness more than even when they were younger, you go back, Yashuv, you return, Limei Alula, Alumav, to the days that they were younger. Now, what does this mean? Very often people, again, they come out of their illnesses and they're wiped out. They're wiped out. I'm tired. It takes time to recuperate from it. So what does it mean that a person who's healed from an illness goes back to their day of youth? You know what it means? When a person is young, they're not burnt out. Very often... One of the, one of the uh, issues that come up with youth is that they don't think enough. Yet one of the milas that youth have is sometimes they're more ambitious to accomplish something that somebody who's been, has been to places is like, you know what, I, I just don't got it anymore. Very often when somebody's been through a serious procedure, surgery, they view it like I have a new aschala, I have a new start now. If this, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu's God's given me a gift, He's given me the gift of time, He's given me the gift of life, and we become ambitious. Now, not necessarily as ambitious like a young person who's try, out there starting businesses necessarily, but ambitious means focused on how I can improve myself and what can I use, what can I do best with my remaining time in this world. There's a youthful vigor that comes out with that. Again, it's not necessarily even physically it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mindset. So when a person's healed from their illness, there's a mindset that comes along with it of a mentality that comes with it of, yeah, like there's something here that, I, you know, it, it's kind of like a reminder to get out there and accomplish even more. Okay. David HaMelech says that all of my laying downs, all of my beds have been turned over with illness. There are illnesses that cause a person to forget all their learning. That's the reality. Now, forgetting something is not necessarily a curse. Not necessarily a curse. But what happens is, is that when you forget, is, is that, first of all, you forget something, it gives you the ability to, there's always a freshness now. I never learned that. It's always, now it's new. It's good. Everything, everything could be gishmak again. That's one element of it. But another thing over here is, it's teaching us a, a, um, Amida to view others in. And here's what the, the message that I'm taking from this. Why is it important to tell me that when people get sick, they could forget their learning? Because if somebody goes through something, I as an outsider need to know that all their energy should be and naturally is focused on their healing and recuperation. Know that about people. Don't expect more from people other than they were, they were ill, they were sick, and now their energies, their mind needs to be, it's, it's, it's like it's hyper-focused 
on getting better. And sometimes people come, and we're going to learn now, we're going to get into a little bit of, soon, not, a, not, not right now, uh, in a few lines, uh, being mavakar chayla, visiting the sick. Sometimes people sit down and, they, and they're trying to have their own conversations with somebody who's sick and remind them, but then you've got to be very delicate. Very delicate. People aren't necessarily interested or capable of having a conversation when they're very sick that maybe they would have been interested in two years ago or two months ago. They're not interested in that conversation. Their energy needs to be placed elsewhere. And that's, it's letting us know that when people get sick, they, they, they forget their Torah learning. What does it mean they forgot their Either it means they literally forgot their learning. You, learn, you know, we should understand that as basic level. But also what it means is the, 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 there's a change in, in, in mindset. There's a change in interest. And we'll get into this uh, shortly. Rabbi Yosef Chalash, Rabbi Yosef became very sick. And he forgot all of his Torah. And Abaye reviewed it with him. Now remember, we mention this all the time. Remember, whenever Abaye and Rabbi Yosef argue, I, I try to make it a point to say, Abaye, uh, Rabbi Yosef's Talmud, Abaye asks on him, why is it so important? Because here's what happened. Abaye learned Torah by Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef lost all of his Torah. And Abaye, who he taught the Torah to, went back. And retaught his Rebbe. So when you teach Torah to others, really what you're doing is you're ensuring your long-term investment of Torah. Because if you ever forget it through an illness or through whatever it is, it can be taught back. Hainu, this is why he says the Gemara, Behold, Duchta and you find all over the place it says, will say, I never heard of such a thing. And what happens is, his student responds, Rebbe. <laughs> you taught this to me Don't worry about it Don't say you never heard it You did hear it You just forgot it And Abayi would reteach his Rebbe The things that he taught him Not only did this happen to Rabbi Yosef But listen to this Rebbe who authored Mishnah Rebbe authored 13 Siddurim of Mishnayas We have 6 Rebbe authored 13 Out of the 13 he taught Rabbi Chia 7 How many are missing? How many did he not teach Rebchia? Six. Right? He taught Rebchia seven orders of Mishnah. Six, because there was 13 total. He never taught him. Listen to what happened. Rebbe became ill. And Rebchia taught his Rebbe. And he taught his Rebbe the seven that were taught. So now, again, Rebbe authored 13. He taught Rebchia seven. Rebchia re-taught it back to his Rebbe. So now Rebbe, uh, Rebbe got back, it was returned to him, seven orders of Mishnayis. How many Siddharim of Mishnayis are now lost? Six. Listen to what happened. This is so beautiful. Shisa Azdu, there are now six lost Siddharim of Mishnayis, except Havahu Kitsara, there was a guy who did laundry, either in Rebbe's house, Rebbe's yeshiva, Rebbe's base medrash. I'm not sure who's, you know, what... This guy's job was to do laundry. Rebbe, and he would listen to Rebbe as he did laundry. As Rebbe would learn Torah out loud. You hear this? We don't learn Torah quietly. We speak words of Torah. Rebbe would sing Torah. It is so important that when we learn Torah, to articulate it, to sing it, to say it out loud with our mouths. First of all, it helps with our understanding. And listen to what happened. There was a laundry guy who Rebbe would sit and he would say, Nuzak, the Gemara Viter. Yeah, and he would say, and the Pasuk says, and he, he, he would learn Mishnah Yisrael. 
apparently had a very good memory, this laundry man. So Rebchia, who learned the first seven, he went to this laundry guy and he said, hey, he remembered Rebbe HaKadosh's singing of the other six. Because Rebbe learned out loud. So this guy, he liked listening to Rebbe's voice. He didn't really hop everything Rebbe was saying, but he remembered the words. He remembered all the words that Rebbe would learn Torah out loud. Incredible. And then he would, Rebchia took the six Siddharam of Mishnayis that this random laundry guy would, uh, rem, you know, would listen to Rebbe singing out loud and he came back to Rebbe. So, Kad Rebbe lahu Amar Rebbe ato Whenever Rebbe saw this laundry guy, he would say to him, he'd say, Oh, Rebbe! Thank you so much for teaching Rebchia and for teaching me. He called him Rebbe. Laundry guy, he remembers the Nagunim. He remembers the songs of, Rabbi, of Rebbe's learning. Which is a beautiful message, by the way, for us. Right? Whether there's other people in our homes, or there's nobody else in our homes. Words of Torah that are sung out loud, that are said out loud, it permeates. It permeates. Whether or not the people understand what's happening, it permeates. Ata Asisa you, Reb Laundry Man, you, uh, you made Chia by teaching him the other six orders of Mishnayis. The Chia, Asa, I see, and Chia in turn helped make me. Because we know Torah makes a person. It is greater a miracle that happens to a sick person. Now, the well known story of these three. Uh, these three Helig um, Nevi'im, right? They were saved in, in the furnace. You should know when somebody's healed from an illness, it's greater than the fires that Chananim Mishal Bazaria were put into. Why? Because Chananim Mishal Bazaria Eishal Hedyit they were thrown into a fire, which is a, a regular fire that we're all familiar with, and anybody can technically put it out. However, Vizu Shal Chayla Shal When it comes to illness, fever. The heat of fever all comes from Shemayim. Umi Nobody can truly get rid of a fever that Hakadosh Baruch Hu put in there besides for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, incredible. Another teaching of Rav Alexandri quoting Rav Chia Baraba Vamrila, and some say Am Rav Levi was from Rav Yishuvon Levi. What was the teaching? Once the Rebbeinu decides that a person's time in this world is up, anything can take the person down. Your time's up, it doesn't need to be a major event, it doesn't need to be a great koach, anything, that's it. Boom. One part of the body stops working, a vital organ, done. Shinamar, as it says, whoever meets me, Yargeni will kill me. Whatever I encounter, whatever finds me, will kill me. Rav Amar Minhadan Kroos learned that from a different passage which says, In judgment, they stand today, because everything is your servant. Meaning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu determines a person's time up. He could use anything in this world to be the servant to carry that out. Now, how do we know this is true? Rav Barshila Amrulei Shachiv Gavra Gavaya. There was a very big guy. It was a very big guy who passed away. How did he pass away? Have a rochiv, he was riding Girduna Zutra, a small Girduna, a small uh, donkey, I believe, 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's a type of donkey. Mata titusa. See, he was right. Listen to this. Imagine, however, listen closely. You have a seven foot guy sitting on a little tyke's bike, sitting on a tricycle. Are you going to tell me that's dangerous and he should wear a helmet? You're like, kidding me? It's a little tyke's bike. Take it easy. He doesn't need a helmet, he doesn't need knee pads. Pesed. So you have a tall guy, he's riding a little, uh, little animal, yeah? Mata Titura, he came to a bridge. And this little animal went meshuga, and this guy went flying, and he died. So when Rabbi Barshila heard this, he said about this story, Whoever's in judgment for you, Stands today. Meaning, what's the end of the Pasuk like we said before? Ki Because everything is your servant. Right? Your time's up. It could be this little tricycle. That whatever. Something happens. and Finito. That's it. Shmuel Chazei. Shmuel saw. Lehahu Yesiva. He saw a guy who was sitting. Al Akakurasa. The Avra Nara Tarka Gavra. What happened was, not, not a person, he saw, listen to this, he saw a scorpion that was sitting on top of a, a, um, um, uh, he saw a scorpion, Yesiva sitting, al akruksa. Akruksa is a frog, interesting, sounds like croaking, right? It sounds like croaking. So a frog, listen to what happened. A scorpion can't swim. What can a frog do? Can it kill? No. But together, it's a little thing. Like, the scorpion across. The guy's totally safe. You would have thought. Except, they came across together. And it came across together. The scorpion went on top of the frog to bite somebody, which didn't make any sense. Scorpions and frogs are not best friends to go kill people together. Shmuel said about the Pesachim, That was the Ratzon Hashem. So the Shalom wanted. That's how the Rabban Shalom uh, made it happen. Amar Shmuel. Shmuel says, You're not mevaker chayla unless the person is chalatzosay chama. Now, this is referring to fever. Okay? So when somebody's sick with fever, so then there's the mitzvah of, of um, biker chayla. Lafukimai, what's it coming to exclude? Meaning, who do you not, who should you not visit? Now we're going to get into halachas, practical halachas, psak halachas, about Bikr Chaylam. Okay? Psak halachas about Bikr Chaylam. Now, lafuke mai, lafuke hadatani, Rabbi Yesi ben Prat, Amir Mishim, Rabbi Lazar, Eimavakon lechaylam yayim, v'leichal yayim, v'leimachayshi yarosh. Don't be mevakar chayla, somebody who has intestinal issues, and has loose bowels, has diarrhea, because they don't want you in the room. Meaning, this is just an example of somebody who's not interested in visitors right now. So the mitzvah bigger chaylem is only a mitzvah if you're coming and your presence is wanted and your presence is helpful. If your presence is a nuisance, don't go, don't show up. Make a phone call, do something else, leave a message. As Ramesha Feinstein Paskins, you could fulfill the mitzvah of bigger chaylem if needed through the telephone. You could do, do not show up at the wrong time. You hear somebody's in the hospital. You just go straight down there and, and, and pop in. Hi, I'm there. How do you know? Call first. Ask the family. Do they want guests? Maybe they don't want to be seen in the hospital. Maybe they don't want to be seen in the hospital. You got to, you have to use, again, das. 
You need to have mind over here. So he says, do not be mabakachayla. Somebody's loose bowels, somebody's diarrhea. And also, a person who has an eye ache or a person who has a headache. Says the Gemara, what's with the eye ache and headache? I get it when a person has issues with their stomach. He's embarrassed. Yeah, he doesn't want you next to his hospital bed when he can't control his bowels. He can go to the, you know, he can go to the, his bowels can have movement at any time. Why shouldn't you be somebody whose eye hurts them or somebody who has a terrible headache? When somebody visits and what usually happens is people feel the need to make conversation. Now this is usually. Gedailim are different. There's stories told over about Gedailim that a Gadol would come visit another Gadol. I forget which two Gedailim this was. One of the Gedailim, they were in Yeshiva, they hadn't seen each other in like 40 years. And he comes in, he sits down next to his bed it was an old friend from yeshiva. He sat there for about 35 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. That's the number I heard. Neither of them said a word. After 40 minutes, the visitor, whichever gadol it was, stood up. He said, Rafu Shalema. And he walked out. And afterwards they asked him, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't he say He said, maybe he wasn't up to talking. And if there's nothing smart to say, why do you got to say anything? See, people who aren't trained in Midos feel the need to always make conversation. You always need to talk. Sometimes you're allowed to just be together. Not everything, but most people feel like you got to, I'm there, I mean, you got to smooth, you got to talk, got to there. And since that's human nature, we take that into account. Don't show up when somebody has an eye ache. You know why? Because they're going to feel the need to make conversation and having, having to make conversation when you have a pain in your eye is detrimental for your health. So you should, not, uh, you should not show up. But it is good for fever apparently. Okay, It is good for, um, for fever. Um, but uh, as far as aches and things, speech is not appropriate. So don't go when there's a, a headache, an eye ache or issues with the uh, bowels. Omar Rav Rabba says, Hai ishta, when it comes to fever, if not for fever being a sign of the Malach HaMavas, Ma'ali, it would be very good for a person. Fever burns out the issues that are inside the body. It would be good for a person, the same way thorns are good for a palm tree, in that when palm trees grow dates, they have prickly thorns that keep animals away. So yeah, it's thorny, and you know it's not pleasant, but it's important. If um, if a person has fever every thirty days, it actually heals. Uh, it actually heals uh, the body from certain toxins that are that are in the body. So he says, if not for the fact that fever would also be a sign of the malach hamavas, you should know it's actually quite healthy for the body. Rav Nachman says, I don't want any of it. I don't want any of it. Tell me the, you know, the medical gains from it. He says, better not to have any of it. Okay. Omar Abba Bar Yenison, Omar Rabbi Yechiel. Our son, um, which is a food, we'll explain what it is. It's a brand. Um, it's very good for medicinal purposes. 
Now, what is that? My arson? What is arson? What is this food? It's it's the kind of like the shells that comes from the barley that gets stuck in the sifter. says, In order to feed it to a person in a way that it's healthy, it has to be cooked for a very long time, like ox meat. Also, old um, barley that gets stuck in the sifter at the uh, fine flour also is very good. I'm sorry, that's what arson is, which is good for a sick person. And Amr Abai, Abai explained over there, also needs to be cooked for a very long time. Amr says, if somebody has an illness of boredom, okay, not the boredom in English, as we're going to see, unfortunately it's a very uh, severe illness, but if person has the illness of boredom, don't talk about it, don't visit him, and don't even mention my time, why not? This boredom has a, a lot of blood that comes out with diarrhea. Why is this illness called boredom? It is a constant flowing spring of intestinal issues that also um, it has blood mixed into it. Okay? So again, the over, overriding theme that the Gemara is letting us know is don't make other people your mitzvah when they don't want you to be there. When they're going to be uncomfortable with you there, when it's not going to be helpful, and it's just you who want to do a mitzvah, that's not a mitzvah. It's the wrong thing to do. You have to use your seichel, you have to use your sense to know when it's, uh, when it's proper, when it's appropriate to show up and perform the mitzvah of Bikr Okay. Says the Gemara Vaiter. This next Gemara, last Gemara explaining our Mishnah, we actually spoke out when we learned the Mishnah. So if you remember, our Mishnah had taught us that when somebody forbids benefit to someone else, we said that he's still allowed to heal him. A refuas hanefesh, but he can't do a refuas hamamu. Now we explained that when we read the Mishnah, we actually spoke out this Gemara. That refuah sanefesh is referring to healing the person himself because it's a mitzvah to heal somebody. So even if you made a vow that he can't benefit, you still could do that. And mamun is to heal his animal. You're not allowed to heal his animal. That's monetary benefit. This Gemara is going to get down to how we know that's the explanation of the Mishnah. Here we go. Hechi katani. What does the Mishnah mean when it says you're allowed to heal him a refuah sanefesh, but not a refuah sanmamun? If you're going to say it means refuah sanefesh bechinam, that to heal him for free. Is allowed, but you're not allowed to take any sort of payment because then you're benefiting the guy who took a vow. That's not possible because listen, the Mishnah just should have, shouldn't have said refuas and nefesh and refuas and mammon. Mishnah should have said simply heal him for free without any sort of uh, reward, without any sort of, sort of payment. Be, be clear. The Gemara says, rather, you know what it means, nefesh and mamon, it means, refuah nefesh means gufo, you're still allowed to heal his body, even though you said it's forbidden to benefit, why? Because there's a chiyov, there's an obligation to heal another yid. Refuah mamon, what does that mean? It means behemtai, it means his animal. And how do we know, um, how do we know that is true? Amar of Zutra Bartuvi, Amar I'm sorry, not how you know it's true. The Gemara says, you should know, by the way, 
even though you're not allowed to mamish heal his animal, you're allowed to give him advice about which things, if he's a veterinarian, about which things are good for the animal and which things are not good, but you're not allowed to actually heal the animal himself. Okay? Why? Why are you allowed to give advice? Because you're not ultimately the one giving the benefit. You're just putting information out there. And this is true so many times in life where, you know, people could have this with their children. They could have this with family members where it's, it's especially in younger children. And then as they get older, it's also very true, but it just depends. But, you know, with younger children, you could tell them what's right. As they say, you could lead them to the well, but you can't force them to drink. Right? You can give them advice. You can let them know what's there, but are they going to follow through? I could just put it out there. Who ultimately has to be the direct cause of the benefit? You. You have to be the one who follows through and gets it done. And that's what Gamar is saying over here as well. If he's not a owner of the animal, is not allowed to benefit, so the veterinarian who's not allowed to give the benefit can still give the advice. He just can't do the direct healing. Because all advice is, is putting the information out there. It's, it's, too, it's, it's not directly connected to the, to the actual healing, hence it's permitted. Okay, beautiful, end of that Gemara. Next, Mishnah, here we go. Fascinating Mishnah. Ready for this? Ruvain made a vow that Shimon cannot benefit from him. Listen close, Gishmak. Reuven made a vow that Shimon cannot benefit from him. One day, Shimon is sitting in a hot tub. And Reuven wants to get in the hot tub. He also, he also wants to soak. Okay? Is Reuven allowed to go in the hot tub with Shimon? So you'd say, what's the problem? Here's the issue. When a, a second body enters the hot tub, the water rises and causes more of the person's body to be covered so he receives benefit. So that's the shaila, right? You're in a body of water. You're soaking. The water only comes up uh, to your belly button. Somebody else comes in. Oh, now the water is going all the way up. It's going out. Uh, yeah. It's higher up. Now it's going up to your neck. So is that considered benefit? Ru- Again, Shimon cannot benefit from Ruvain. So Ruvain, is he allowed to walk into a hot tub that Shimon's already in? Because then Shimon is benefiting. So here we go. Says the Mishnah. Shimon and Ruvain could both go swimming or bathe in a large pool. In a large bathtub. Why? Because Ruvain going in there is not the water level, if it's a large bathtub, a large pool, it's not going to go up enough that it's actually noticeable or is giving any direct benefit, right? You're in a public pool, you're in a large pool, somebody else gets in the water, you're not feeling that change. But Reuven cannot go into a smaller pool, okay, like I call it a hot tub, because again... What's going to happen is it's going to cause the water levels to rise and Shimon's going to, get, Shimon's going to have a direct benefit. Fine. Also, the Yashain Imai Bemita. You are allowed to sleep in the same bed. What does this mean? You're allowed to sleep in the same bed? So now obviously back then they didn't have personal beds like we had now. They actually purposely would have multiple people sleep together. Why? 
because they didn't have heat. So the 98.6 degree heat that the body gives off, they would keep each other warm. So if Shimon is not allowed to benefit from Ruvain, the Mishnah says Ruvain could still sleep near Shimon where his body heat is going to be warming up Shimon. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, this is only true, be if it's the summer. Because in the summer, is it benefiting Shimon to have more heat in his bed, more body heat? No, he's hot. He doesn't want Ruvain there. Or it's already 98 degrees. Or it's already too hot for him. So that's where we say you're allowed to, Shimon, uh, Ruvain can get in the same bed as Shimon. Not in the winter. You're giving him an up. Beautiful, right? So Rebut is explaining this that our Mishnah says. When Shimon's forbidden to benefit, Ruvain can still lay in the same bed is only when it's cold outside. So Shimon's going to benefit from the warmth of Ruvain's body. But if it's already hot, then there's no problem. And he's also allowed to, Mesiv is from the word Haseba, like we have at the Pesach Seder. Okay? They're allowed to lean on the same couch, on the same bed. Now the issue with that could be is that what if they get tired and they end up giving each other warmth from their bodies. They're allowed to eat at the same table together. Now, as the Mepharshim explained, why would you cannot eat? Because sometimes when you eat together, you might end up sharing. And then you're benefiting each other when it's forbidden. They cannot eat from the same serving platter. Now, why can't they eat from the same serving platter? So here, the Mepharshim explained that we're dealing with a type of platter where... Two people are given food to eat. So, and, and it's all theirs. So if Reuven eats less food, that by definition, now what's less? We don't even know, right? But if he eats less food than he should have left, than he should have eaten, so now Shimon's left with more food and Reuven is directly benefiting Shimon because the two of them are supposed to split the french fries. And by Reuven eating less french fries from the serving bowl, Shimon has more fries. So you're not allowed to eat from the same serving platter. Okay? However, let's say it's the type of serving platter where there's going to be leftovers. There's more than enough for everybody. And what happens to the food afterwards? It ain't going to go to Reuven and it ain't going to go to Shimon. Rather, it's going to go back into the kitchen. It's going to go back to the balabas. So then there's no problem with Reuven and Shimon eating in your house, sharing the food. I, if Reuven eats less, that leaves more for Shimon. There's plenty for both of them. And if there's extras, it'll go back to the kitchen. So that means Reuven's not really giving uh, Shimon direct benefit, and that's going to be permitted. Beautiful. Zok the Gemara on our, uh, Zok the Gemara on our Mishnah. Tani, we learned in a bride, Salayirachatzi, my Bambati. They're not let a bathe together in a bathtub. They shouldn't sleep on the same bed. Whether it's a large bed, small bed, large body of water, small body of water, Diver of Meir. This is the opinion of Rabbi Meir, which is not like our Mishnah. Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah says, If it's a large bed, they're allowed to sleep in the same bed in the winter. And a small bed in the summer is okay. Because again, they don't want to be. Uh, they, they don't want each other's warmth. 
and you're allowed to bathe in a large bathtub, and they can schwitz together in, in a, uh, they could go into a schwitz together, okay, in a uh, smaller room. Why? Because it's already a schwitz. So having another person in there is not really going to add anything to the heat. You're allowed to recline together on a couch or a bed. They can eat at the same table. They can't share a serving platter. Unless the serving platter has enough that it's going to go back to the kitchen and the host and hostess are going to get the leftovers. says, he explains what this means is, like we said, it's referring to a tamchoy, a serving tray, that's, uh, that's going to go back to the Baal Habayis. That's how he clarifies the, um, the uh, case of eating at the same table. Okay. Next mission. They are not allowed to eat together from an avos. So, the um, let, let's read. I got it. Yeah, we're good. Okay, fine. So again, let's restart. They should not eat from the same avos, which is a large serving dish that's in front of workers. What does this mean? So very often, when people hired, call them construction workers or people farmers, people worked out in the field. So what they would do is they would bring out a huge uh, dish for lunch. And they would just put out tons of food for all the workers. Okay? Now, but when people work, and they work hard, so they eat, they're full, and then they work again, they eat more. So this Mishnah says that even though we're saying you're allowed to eat at the same table from a serving tray, if it's the type of setting where it's tons of food, a lot of food, but that food is not going to have any leftovers because of the mitzias, the reality of the people eating it, they get hungry, and they get even when they're full, they get hungry again, so they're going to want to eat again. So then you're not allowed to eat it if you're forbidden to benefit because the less you eat is leaving more for others. And they also are not allowed to work together in the same, this is literally talking about a, a row. What does it mean a row? So when you have people working together and having to cover specific jobs, if you're working the same row, one person is going to make the job easier for the other one. The more I pick, the less you need to take from this specific row. And, the, and we're forbidden to benefit from each other. So we say you should not be working in the same, in the same row. Okay, you can both work in the same row as long as you're not close to each other. Okay, as long as it's not close to each other, it's not considered a direct benefit. Says the Gemara, when they're close to each other, everybody will agree that it's a problem. Okay, because when people work together, again, it makes the job easier for the next one. Even, even if they're digging or planting, the earth gets softened. And, uh, so there's, there's certainly benefit over there. Keep pligi, where's there a conversation in our, in our Mishnah, a dispute as to working near each other? In the same row, whether you're allowed to be in the same row, whether you can only be in the same row if you're far away, that's only berachik when they're distant. Why? Rameir, so Rameir is of the opinion. You cannot work in the same row because once you work in the same row, even if you're far away from each other, you might get close. Yeah. So make a zera. You shouldn't come close. Don't even work in the same row from far. And what happens is. 
that um, the issue when you're close to each other, working side by side, is that if one's digging, that loosens up the earth and makes the digging easier for the guy next to him. So since you're certainly not at work when you're close to each other, we're going to say don't work in the same row at all. For the Rabbanah say, no, like you're fine. We agree that it's going to be a problem if they work near each other because, again, one is going to weaken the earth and soften the earth for the other one. That would taka would be a problem. However, they say if you stay afar, that's okay. There's no need to make a decree, make a gzera. Hence, they allow you to stay in the same row as long as you maintain a nice amount of space. Beautiful. That's the end of today's daf. We'll hold it here. Uh, tomorrow we will pick up from the mission on top of Daf Membez. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Again, Daf this week, 5.15 p.m.